is one Pro Bowl running back about to switch teams while staying in the same state? What young NFC West receiver should you be looking to move before the weekend? And where should Cole Komet go in FFPC rookie drafts? Plus, the 2019 FFPC 1250 number 15 Dynasty champion Scott Broadcorp joins us to help make sense of what rookie drafts will look like this season after this weekend's NFL draft and more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your 2020 NFL draft preview episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour starts now. Let's begin now. New cologne on. Feeling so good. Change the color to my phone. Orange Kool-Aid go good with Patron. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Hey, thanks a lot, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all of you, Balkaholics and Gerzak and Addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented to you by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle Dave Gerzak. Tonight, it is our annual NFL Draft Preview Show, as things are going to get on, uh, well, about 22 hours or so, roughly. Uh, we're going to break down our rookie running back tiers. We're going to uh, welcome in, excuse me, Scott Broad, uh, Broadcorp, the 2019 FFPC 1250 number 15 Dynasty winner, to talk rookies, including Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, and a bunch more, all on tonight's episode. Uh, wanna, uh, first of all, I'll give a shout-out to the chat room. We got, we're popping in there tonight. I know it's a Wednesday show, so we, do, we don't always get the lively bunch that we do on Fridays, but we got a couple of longtime uh, listeners in there, Wasp Guy and Bourbon City Ballers. Thanks for tuning in live tonight. Uh, if you guys have any questions, post them in there. You can also connect with us on Twitter, at HSFFR, at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash HSFFR. Give us a ring, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA if you want to call and chat with us tonight. HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com is where our producer and mutual friend Rob and our audio engineer and my best friend Bryce will be checking. I'll try to get to as many emails as we can before the NFL draft commences tomorrow. That'll be coming up in the Fantasy Feedback segment later on in the show. Dave, I don't know about you. I, I know with everything going on right now, it's, it's a little crazy. It's it's weird that we've been craving this NFL draft for forever, and it doesn't seem like it's already tomorrow. Like we're twenty less than twenty four hours, we're gonna go, and it seems like it's coming up quick. Yeah, it really is. Actually, just came right up on you. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's bizarre. It's good. We're excited, and this is this should be a fun fantasy uh, draft this year too, because the the draft is what it's lacking for in tight ends and defenders. It's very rich in wide receivers and running backs. So certainly rookie drafts will take on a special meaning. And if you want to jump in to any of the dynasty startups we have available, you are out of luck unless you wait till the after the NFL draft. We have plenty of FFPC dynasty startups going up. I think, I don't think we have any going on Friday. We have some going on Saturday, right? Uh, I think I'm pretty sure we do. I forgot. You can look it up, but I'm pretty sure we do. Uh, in any event, I know we do on Saturday. I suppose I forgot if we sold one Friday. But oh, okay. We have a 77, possibly. Okay, so there you you have the opportunity to jump in there. FFP, myffpc.com. Yeah, a 77 Friday with 10 spots left. There you go. So you can jump in on that draft during the draft if you want. Um, and don't forget that we also have some best ball, best ball slim action going on there. The main event early birds going on, and special announcement this week about the 2020 Football Guys Players Championship. It is a $500,000 grand prize, a $3.1 million prize pool. The early bird promotion is live right now. So when you register your team prior to June 30th and then you draft it prior to July 15th, you get a free $35 disc, or excuse me, free $35 uh, FFPC team credit to your account. Did we cap that at three? Can you get up to three on that again this year? 
I don't know, man. You write the email. I know. I think you that's what me. it is. I think that's what it is. I don't read your email. I know you don't. That's... I actually texted you tonight. I'm like, oh, are we doing a show tonight? And I forgot that I previewed the email that you wrote, but right. I didn't preview the bottom of the email. I just previewed the. Yeah, normally I put the show a little bit higher. Today I bounced it down because of the, uh, you know, wanted to make sure that everybody's aware that Football Guys announcement. People are scooping up teams, and that's going to launch on Sunday. Football Guys Players Championship with its earliest start ever. You can draft teams. Already on Sunday, I know Kern is in the chat today. He says that uh, he's already in on that. I'll be commissioning some of those drafts, and uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. We're going to find out where all these rookies are going to land uh, this weekend, and you can apply all that knowledge to the Football Guys Players Championship. Those will be some wild drafts. They will be wild, for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a little bit different because the only thing we've had to go on so far has been the FFPC best ball, but now we're going to get these 20-round manage drafts which always change the adp mm-hmm. we're going to have landing spots for rookies which is going to change the adp as well and we're going yep. to get into that tonight i want to thank football guys roto world and rob for tonight's rundown let's talk about the big news of the week the tampa bay buccaneers yes the new england patriots south have acquired rob gronkowski from new england in exchange for a fourth round pick according to adam schefter on twitter new england's also sending a seventh rounder to tampa uh, Rob Gronkowski, I believe, turns 31 next month. He already passed his physical, and we found out kind of just out of nowhere that he had a desire to return uh, to the NFL, and seemingly hours later, he was traded to New England. He was pretty battered in his career there for the Patriots, and he didn't look all that great in 2018. However, in 13 games, he got 47 catches for 682 yards and three touchdowns. In the AFC Championship game in the Super Bowl, he combined for 12 for 166. He has 15.1 yards per catch that led all active tight ends with at least 100 career catches, and he was the security blanket for the GOAT. Uh, you would think that Gronk, after what he said this week, letting his body sort of refresh and, and heal, he should be ready to go, but he does have O.J. Howard uh, and Cameron Brait at the tight end position down there, not to mention Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So, Dave, let's talk about this, uh, break this down as best we can. Rob Gronkowski is a Buccaneer catching passes from Tom Brady. Is he a top 10 tight end in your eyes now? No, I don't think he will finish the top 10 tight end. Okay, so you would not be drafting him as such either, Red, right? Obviously. Not at this very moment, no. Okay. Is it, is it because of the injuries that you think is, is going to hold him back, or are you worried about the year off? Uh, injuries, year, the year off. Um, he is 31. He's still, I mean, in, this is assuming Howard and Brait stick around. I mean, I know he's going to be one of the primary targets. And then he has to do, deal with Godwin has to deal with Evans. The offense doesn't generally feature tight ends. There's a lot of there's a lot of downside over there. I mean, and plus I don't find, I don't think you're gonna get a lot of Gronk discount because of the name. You know, the, the, the hype of Gronk. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm a little leery on it. I'm, I'm just guessing he'll be kind of overdrafted, but you know, it's who knows. He's been drafted in 19 drafts so far since the announcement. Uh, as high, Dave, as the 5'11". Uh, going uh, for Rob Gronkowski in one of the FFPC best balls that has uh, already taken place. That's, I mean, that's not terribly high, really. I mean, no, for not for Gronk. I, I mean, in that in that case, I guess I would be look. I'd probably look at him because five eleven is not really super super high. This is, he does have some downside. This is over the last seven days. I'd be curious to see where he's going to go. You know, we're going to broadcast those one fifty classics next Friday. It'll, I'll be very curious to see how he goes in there. Yeah, Meyer will tell us what the ADP is. Exactly. Well, Revelations will set it, as we know. But we're going to find out even sooner than that, because on Sunday when the Football Guys Players Championship drafts go off, we're going to see some real uh, ADP on Rob Gronkowski of where he's going there. So certainly something to uh, make sure that we're following. All right, so let's talk about the other tight ends in O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. Now, the Buccaneers are towing the company line saying, hey, we're happy to have all three of these guys here. Uh, We're not going to move these guys unless our uh, doors are blown off or what have you. Apparently, the asking price, according to uh, several pundits, has been a second-round pick in exchange for for O.J. Howard. That's ridiculous. Well, that's what the Buccaneers are asking. I don't think they're going to get that. I think a third is even a little high. Yeah, because he doesn't have much. I mean, you're going to have to pay him soon, right? Yeah, I guess, and he still hasn't done much in the NFL. And I mean, a fourth would be maybe reasonable, I guess. If I, I think this is a contract year for him. So you would be looking at acquiring the guy, and then if he does good, then you've got to pay him a lot. And if he doesn't do good, what are you giving up a draft pick for? Yeah, exactly. There's not a lot of upside. You know what I was looking at today? I was actually surprised. O.J. Howard was on, and I don't know the snap counts, but he was on the field like almost as, as you know, a three to two ratio compared to Cameron Brait. So even though the Bucks paid Cameron Brait 
this offseason. O.J. Howard dwarfed him in snaps this past year. And if you have Howard out there with Gronkowski and Evans and Godwin along with Brady throwing to him, I mean, my goodness, this is a juggernaut of an offense. Are you worried about Evans or Godwin's numbers suffering now with the addition of Gronk? Um, yeah, it's, it's possible that, you know, they're going to be spread out a bit more. I mean, if, if Gronk has a good year, he could have 12 touchdowns if you're looking at the optimistic side. So that definitely is taking touchdowns away from Godwin and Evans. I think if I'm just going to look at it right now in FFPC best balls, Mike Evans is going on average at the 302. Uh, Chris Godwin right in front of him at the 210. I think that those are probably going to slip a little bit. Chris Godwin is, I mean, I, I was, yeah, I was talking about this when, when you, um, draft a guy that high you're you're sort of you're eliminating a lot of the value that you get from him and um, when it comes to Godwin he he was crazy good last year is he going to be that good this year again with Evans potentially bouncing back with Gronkowski down there even with Brady throwing to him I'm not sure and remember a lot of the numbers that Godwin and Evans put up last year was because Tampa was trailing or in shootouts are they going to be in as many shootouts with Tom Brady I mean that front seven for Tampa is really really talented uh, the secondary is not the greatest. But in any event, the, the Buccaneers' defense should be good. I question whether they're going to put up those video game stats that they put up uh, uh, last year. Um, not much to say about New England. I mean, if they get O.J. Howard, we'll talk about it. I hate dealing in, in what-ifs, so we won't do, deal with that on the show. But O.J. Howard is a name that you should be watching this weekend uh, for the potential of him being moved to a different team. If I was a team like the Bears, I'd be looking at – if I not instead of trading for Howard, I'd be interested in trading for Brayton and trying to get him for like a fifth or something, maybe. Well, and he's got the big contract now, so it's I, not. But it's not that big. No, Cameron Brayton. Well, I'm gonna look it up right now because I, I, as I remember it, I. Thought I it think was, we thought it was big for the t- for being, you know, a timeshare tight end. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Like uh, six year, forty million. 18 million guaranteed, average annual salary yeah, of 7 I mean, million. Pretty, I mean, it's pretty sizable, actually. Yeah, um, it's got to be some out years that are really high. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Bucks are. It's not like they've been making great decisions over the past few years, but uh, I'm sure that the the brain trust down there has uh, given them ways out of that contract. All right, let's keep it with the Buccaneers, sort of. ESPN's Justina Anderson said Tampa is not expected to be a player for Leonard Fournette in a trade. Now, the Buccaneers have already said they're looking for a pass-catching back in the draft, so sell Ronald Jones while you can because in about 48 hours, he's not going to have the dynasty value he has right now. Or maybe he already doesn't. Maybe nobody's buying on it. Leonard Fournette caught a lot of passes last year, but the efficiency was not great. And it seems like in a, in a year when um, there's pr- some pretty good depth at running back in the draft, Dave, I can't imagine the, the Jaguars are going to be successful in trading Fournette uh, what does this do for Ryquel Armstead for you? Is, is he status quo? Do you think Fournette gets moved? How do, you, uh, how do you sort of assess the running back situation for the Jags? I mean, if he, I give Armstead like a 4% chance of emerging as the number, as the number one guy there. Either they keep him and, he's, and Fournette's the starter, or they draft a running back. I mean, I guess technically Armstead could take the position. So maybe it's 8% or something. I just, Still low. So. He, what was he, a fifth-round pick? He's not a super talented back. No, he's not. So I think he had a good speed score, if I recall correctly. But I mean, he did. All you've been doing is parking him on your dynasty bench and praying and getting pretty much not much out of him. Yeah, yeah. God has not answered my Armstead prayers in Carrington yet. Hey, uh, Brandon Cooks just went twentieth. Yeah, we're, we for, so in the studio right now. Dave and I have the 2014 NFL Draft first round, and the Saints have just drafted Brandon Cooks. Sixteen picks behind Sammy Watkins and thirteen picks behind Mike Evans. Yeah. And who was the other receiver? Odell, Odell Beckham. Beckham went he went at 12. 12, 12 that year. Yeah. And uh, 10 picks behind Ebron. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How about and, that, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, getting back to the Fournette situation, Dave, in, I wanted this to be a kind of a dynasty show tonight, but it's, it's turning into uh, at least best ball at the top of the show. Leonard Fournette right now, maybe he gets moved, maybe he doesn't, but we know the rumors are out there, so we kind of know what the Jags think about him. 209 is running back 14. Does that seem too high for him, or does that seem about right? Uh, given the uncertainty, it is a bit high. Although if someone trades for him, they're going to start him. He's also on a contract year, I think. Yes, he? that is correct. Yeah. He is going right behind Austin Eckler and Kenyon Drake, right ahead of Jonathan Taylor and Todd Gurley uh, there at the end of the second round. That is what's going on with Leonard you, Fournette. There's a lot of question marks in that area. Uh, yeah, that's true. Which, you Which think is about weird because it used to the be like second the round. third and fourth round. Yeah, no. I almost feel like the second round, you'd be, you should be looking at wide receiver after taking running back. If you have an early pick, running back early, then a couple wide receivers, and then you can fart around with your 
crummier running backs with flaws in the fifth and sixth. Um, question from the chat room. Waskai, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to New, uh, to New England, he means Tampa. And, you know, what's interesting about that is uh, audio engineer Bryce and I were actually talking today separately, um, uh, and we both said that Jonathan Taylor was the big rumored running back to be going to the Buccaneers. I don't know if Tampa would necessarily trust him in pass pro to uh, pick up any blitzes to keep him off of Tom Brady, but that's cert- there's heavily, heavy rumors of Taylor uh, being the guy going to Tampa. Edwards Hilaire, I think, would make a lot of sense because you don't have to take him in the second, and Tampa needs offensive line help. Uh, they should be drafting a tackle at 14. Uh, they should be uh, looking for more offensive line help even in the second round. So I think third round, Edwards Hilaire, that makes a lot of sense as far as I'm concerned. Um, all right, one – yeah, let's do one more thing. No, let's not. Let's get to our guest. I want to get to our guest tonight. Uh, he's he's going to drive the, the train tonight. Uh, let's welcome in right now. He's played fantasy football for 15 years and uh, started at the high-stakes level with his first dynasty team in 2016. Currently, he has uh, dynasty teams at the 1250 and 500 levels in the FFPC. He actually started playing best ball this year along with a $1,000 Victory Point Cash League. He uh, has been purchasing the three-pack in the Football Guys Players Championship for the last seven years, and he says he enjoys competing in the different formats and will look to add more teams and formats going forward. He is, of course, the defending FFPC 1250 Dynasty League number 15 champ. Said he also feels pretty good about his chances at repeating in 2020. Please welcome into the program Mr. Scott Broadcorp. Scott, thank you so much for uh, hopping aboard and taking some time out of your schedule in the middle of, of your week and draft week. Welcome. Hey, thank you, guys. Good to be here. Scott, have you, uh, have you um, totally, are you engrossed in, uh, in dynasty mode? Do you know everything there is to know about the rookies, or are you going to be learning a lot about them, like, much like me and Dave are, uh, <laughs> um, over, the, over the weekend when we watch the NFL draft? You know, I've probably got an earlier start this year because of all the craziness that's going on, and it's, just, it's nice to take a break away from uh, – the real world and uh, get into this stuff. I'm not where I need to be yet. So I'll definitely be watching a lot this weekend and then really dig it in after that um, in to get ready for the draft here in a couple of weeks for the dynasty leagues that I'm in. We do, we do want to get into uh, fantasy football and pick your brain about what your strategy is going to be in the rookie drafts and, and sort of get analysis on what you think of these guys already. Before we do that, can you tell the listeners what you're doing for a living, Scott? Oh, yeah, I'm a CEO for a remodeling company. We specialize in high-end windows and doors. Dave, you have any questions about that, given your uh, windows and doors research in Florida? <laughs> well, I guess, you know, all of, we live in the Midwest here, so all we hear is Anderson windows. So, is, so you say high-end. So is, is Anderson actually, like, middle, or is it actually pretty pretty good? Well, I didn't want to say the company that I or brand I represent, but they're the best in the business, so you can figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> so I, all right, all right. Yeah, well, I, I, won't, I won't ask. All right, yeah. All right, well, excellent. <laughs> um, the, the, the name presents itself. Look at that. That's right. All right, so let's talk. We'll talk about your league. Um, so, congrats on winning. You had Debo Samuel. Uh, he helped you get there. I, what a great rookie pick that I missed out on. Thanks. You know, if both of you have told me about this, Debo Samuel, I would have done Quite before. frankly, I only got him in one league myself. All right, anyway, so he might have some competition for targets if the Niners go after a receiver with one of their first-round picks. Are you um, – I have think I know the answer to this, but are you trying to trade Debo Samuel prior to the NFL draft? Right now I'm not trying to trade him. Um, I think he – I really think he has a potential to be a, a top 15 receiver in this league. Um, and the fact that he's – you know, rookie year, he established himself, and he's going to be the go-to guy in San Fran, regardless of who they draft in the first round, I believe. Now, um, that can always change. I always listen. Um, if someone wants to blow me away with, with a real high-value trade, I, I will listen because I, I think I've got some good wide receivers. Um, but um, I'm not at this point, I'm not really looking to move them. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing, too, is, like, if 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 you saw this coming about – I mean – the Niners have been rumored to take a, a, a receiver at 13 ever since they made that deal with Indianapolis to get that pick. Um, and, and if you weren't getting anything for Samuel then, if you're shopping around, I guess you're better off just holding on to him. One of the things that I always bring, uh, you know, come back to 
is the Niners not only used a high pick on Samuel, but they went out of their way to get him involved in the game multiple times last season. So they clearly like him. They like using him. And whoever comes in is obviously going to face a, a learning curve to try and usurp Samuel as the number one there. Uh, we'll see what happens. But certainly I feel good about my one <laughs> Devo Samuel dynasty share. Let's talk about some of these rookie receivers here. Uh, Scott Denzel Mims and T. Higgins are actually being drafted right next to each other in FFPC startups uh, at the moment. Which one of those receivers, based on what you know about them, uh, do you like better, the uh, Mims out of Baylor or Higgins coming from wide receiver U at Clemson? Yeah, that's a tough one. I go back and forth. Um, I I think they're very similar. Um, I think Mims has a higher ceiling, but he's a little bit more of a risky player. Um, But... um, you know, I, I don't know. I would, you know, if I had, tar- if I, if I, Higgins drops to me and um, I have to take him, I would definitely take him. But let's say he goes and then Mims is still there and I got the next pick, I would take him. I, 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 they're interchangeable to me. I, I think you could take either one. Um, I, I do think, though, Mims has a higher ceiling potentially. So the thing that I worry about with Higgins is um, He's kind of a long strider, and long striders, when you get into the, uh, at, at to the professional level, um, when they're trying to um, cut and turn on a dime, uh, which the great ones always do, I always worry about Higgins' ability to do that. I'm not worried necessarily about Mims. I think you're right. I think he's, he's a little bit more raw, but he definitely represents um, the higher upside as far as the wide receiver position is going. What about the running backs, Dave? Running backs. Let's talk about DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor, who was mentioned earlier on the show. What about J.K. Dobbins? Uh, do you like? Is there anything you like or don't like about his game? Oh, um, all three of them I think are are great. So I I'm, I'm, I should be able to land one of the three in um, one of my team's drafts, um, and I'd be happy with any of those three running backs. Um, I'm a big Michigan fan, so the only thing I don't like about Dobbins is he's a Buckeye or ex-Buckeye, um, but he's just. Uh, He's a physical back. He makes people miss. Um, grinder, you know, he he, he can do it all. Um, you know, maybe the only downside to his game is he doesn't have that elite speed, but he's got a, enough speed to break away, I think, and, and not get caught. So um, any three of those running backs, I'd be happy to have. And um, and I think, Jake, you know, Dobbins could um, possibly be the best of the three. He has that potential. I, I really like him. Scott, if – if we're going to let's just for the for this next question let's just assume all three of them go either in the first or second round do you view all three of those guys as three down guys then right away as rookies where not only do dynasty owners need to sit up and pay attention but redraft owners as well uh as far as what their expectations should be in 2020 for these guys you know um I think it's kind of similar to the last question with, with T Higgins and uh, Mims. The other part of this is where they get drafted and um, you know, depending on what team they go to and where they fit in. Um, I think um, Dobbins and uh, Swift have more pass catching um, experience, but uh, I really like Taylor. Um, just the, just the beast. Um, but I think it really, at, at that point when, when I like all three, um, of these guys pretty much the same or they're in the same category and then it goes to where they land uh, what team what kind of offense you know the su- supporting cast what what the team's offense is like so I that's what I'll be waiting to see Scott Broadcourt the champion of the FFPC 1250 number 15 dynasty league joining us here on the high stakes fantasy football or in our NFL draft preview episode Talking about rookies, it's an incredibly deep receiver class. I feel like we've been talking about Judy and Lamb and Ruggs basically since uh, you know early February, but we haven't got into a lot of the other receiver guys. We talked about Mims and Higgins briefly. What about Brandon Ayuk? Because this is a guy that is slated to go probably at the end of the first round, maybe early second. Maybe we see a trade-up uh, for some team drafting in the early second to snare him at the end of the first round. What kind of pro career do you see him having uh, given – the numbers he put up, uh, not only at the combine, uh, but what he did at Arizona State as well, Scott. Yeah, I think he has a lot of upside. You know, you look at his career and you read back. He, you know, he didn't has a, doesn't have a ton of experience at wide receiver and in, in big big college programs. So what I like about it is he's a late bloomer and just coming on at the right time. 
um, smooth, you know, smooth athlete. I think he, he definitely has high upside. And I can see why people are high on him. So, um, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm not going to overvalue him because um, I know he's a popular name and the media is pushing him. And I know, and some, a lot of times that doesn't work out, but I, I think he's got real potential. And um, yeah, I think um, if I, if I, if I didn't get a receiver, I wanted in the first round of my rookie of, you know, the, of the dynasty draft next week, um, you know, the redraft, and he fell to me in the second or third. I don't think it lasted the third, but maybe I can give him a second. Um, I wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't be down on it. I, you know, I think he's got a, a high upside, um, a lot of potential, and he's peaking right at the, you know, at a, at a good time for uh, his career. I keep seeing, uh, you know, I, I, for where I mean, Dave's not uh, a Packers fan. Well, I mean, you, he cheers for him, but I'm a Packers fan, <laughs> and um, I've been on the Denzel Mims train for the last month or so, but. The more I watch Brandon Ayuk, the more I read about him. I'm, I'm actually liking what he would do opposite Devontae Adams in Green Bay. He can go outside. He can play the slot. And regardless of the Packers take him or not, he's going to be playing that role for whatever team that drafts him. I think he can put up uh, some pretty good numbers as a rookie. I'm actually really digging his uh, pro career and certainly going up my dynasty draft boards. Uh, much higher than uh, the cat out of Memphis, literally. Yeah, so Scott, you said you haven't done a whole ton of research, but apparently we're going to ask you about the 50th to be drafted running back in FFPC Dynasty. Startups, Di- Di- Dynasty startups, yeah. Even worse, that's Antonio Gibson is <laughs> the better, running back out of Memphis. Draft. Yeah, oh yeah, well, whatever. Anyway, he's had a lot of experience catching the ball for the Tigers, evidently. Um, so does that seem right for you to be the 50th drafted running back in FFPC Dynasty Maidens? That's including the four nets of the world and the girlies and all that stuff. Okay, now I understand. All right, so go ahead. <laughs> what do you uh, think? So I didn't see him play a lot in college, um, but in my research that I started, he was one of those guys that popped up in the various um, areas as a sleeper, um, good athlete. Um, I think 50 and what you just described, that format is probably too early um, in a maiden dynasty draft. Is that what, is that what um, you're saying? Yeah. Yep. Running back 50 in a dynasty maiden going at the 1207 right now. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's, it's it's you know, you, if, you, if you really like the guy, he's athletic. You can take a flyer on him because if he does convert, if they do put him in a running back position in the NFL and he can and he can catch the ball and he he's got speed, um, he could end up being something. So he's like one of those guys that I would look at and say, hey, look, if I if you got a spot on your bench, you know, like I'm trying to win my league again this year, I feel I'm in a position to repeat. Um, and um, I might have a spot for him just to sit there. I don't want need him if I have the depth, but if I don't have the depth and I'm trying to win my league, um, I might probably go for someone different. But if you could stash him for a year or two, I think he's, he definitely has a, uh, he has skill set that could be really interesting. What, and one of the things I will say about Gibson, the head coach that was at Memphis the last few years, Mike Norvell, is now the head coach at Florida State. And one of the things that Norvell did at Memphis when he was there, he recruited guys that were sort of running back wide receiver tweeners. Sometimes he'd line them up in the backfield. Sometimes he'd put them in the slot. Sometimes he'd split them out wide. So a lot of these guys that have come out, come out of Memphis over the last half decade have pass-catching chops. Um, Daryl Henderson was one uh, who the Rams obviously traded up for jury's still out on him although it's not looking exceptional right now but we'll see what happens this year the other guy uh, that that um, put up a lot of numbers from Memphis is Tony Pollard and you don't have to look very far among FFPC high stakes players to find a lot of fans of Tony Pollard and if Elliott were to go down I think Pollard would be a very interesting fantasy prospect and the, the guy that could be next in line is Antonio Gibson Uh, the running back out of Memphis. So he is going, as I said, in FFPC startups, he's he's in a running back glut there in the 12th round. He's going right behind Chase Edmonds, James White, and Keshawn Vaughn. Uh, And then he's going right ahead of Naheem Hines, Eno Benjamin, and Rashad Penny. So not a lot of excitement there, although you do have the untapped upside of the rookies in Vaughn, Gibson, and Benjamin there if you are willing to take a chance on any of those guys. Um, You, Scott, have the 105 in your FFPC 500 number 33 dynasty league. So you'll be picking fifth in the first round right now if you don't trade the pick. Uh, we don't know landing spots, obviously, that that's going to change everything within the next 24 to 48 hours. Who are you hoping right now falls to you at that spot as the fifth player that you'd be able to select in your dynasty draft in that league? So based on how my team's constructed, I really – and, and plus this year's draft, I feel it's really deep at wide receiver. I think we all know that. 
Um, I think you have to grab one of those three elite running backs. So I'm hoping either one of them fall to me. I, like I said, I can, I could take any of the three, but you know, it'd be tough to pass on CD lamb. If he's there too, he's, I really like, I really like him. I think he's going to be a stud in the NFL. Um, but you know, I, it's such a deep wide receiver draft. I, I'm probably going to go running back. So I mean, one of them are there and, and not worry about it. Um, Hopefully it's the one that lands in the best spot to get start, you know, start and get volume right away. Um, but again, um, I have to do some serious thinking if CD Lamb's there, um, just because I, I really like like his uh, his what he, what he brings to the table for his career, for NFL career, potential career. Yeah, right now CD Lamb is my number one receiver for sure uh, over Judy and Ruggs. Let me ask you this: This is another question coming from uh, Wash Guy in the in the chat. He wants to know your thoughts on Cam Akers. Now, I'm going to recuse myself from this conversation because my uh, love for Cam Akers on this program uh, and throughout his collegiate career at Florida State knows no bounds. So I won't let say that he is awesome and that I love him and that I will be targeting him in my rookie drafts. Scott, I want to get your thoughts on Cam Akers as far as how good of a pro you think he is and uh, where he should land up in, in rookie drafts or where you think he's going to go in the NFL draft. Yeah, um, I really like him. Uh, you know, Florida State puts out some great athletes, some good, diverse running backs. It's been a, a um, hasn't been a really good environment in Florida State recently. Um, it's been probably tough on a prospect like that, and he's he's held himself pretty pretty well. Um, I think he's going to have a good career. He's very athletic. I think he he could be a really good player to draft if you can get him. Um, probably, I'm guessing. Depending what draft, like they might redraft. I'm, I'm expecting him to, to probably go in the latter part of the mid to latter part of the first round, probably the latter part of the first round. But if he falls to the second round and, and early, you 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 could pick him up. I would definitely take him. I think he's going to have a good career. And that's the great thing about Acres is regardless of landing spot, I think he's going to be part of a committee year one. It's just going to be a matter of, is he going to be the heavier part or is he going to be the lighter part of it? Uh, there's still fantasy value there, Dave. Um, Where's he being projected to go? I, I agree with Scott. I think he's going to go to the mid to latter part of the first round. If he slips to the second, you got to grab him. But I think mid to latter part of the first round for rookie drafts, for NFL drafts, yeah, in the NFL, it, it's kind of, I mean, I've seen people say he's going to be a mid second round pick. I've seen people say he's going to drop to the end of the third. So All who right. knows? Okay. So day two, pretty much day two. Yes. Interesting. So speaking of players that were not drafted on day two, how about Stefan Diggs? He was, I think a fifth round pick bulky. I'm going to look that up right now. He was drafted uh, pretty late, but he's super productive in college and he's now going to hopefully be super productive on the Buffalo bills. Uh, what do you think about Stefan Diggs? He's on your, uh, on that same team here in the 533 league. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was a, um, when they traded him, I didn't like it. Um, I just, you know, I just don't think he'll get the volume in uh, Buffalo that he did in Minnesota. Um, I do like Josh Allen as a fantasy quarterback because of his rushing and, court, and getting in the end zone with his legs. Um, I'm still not convinced he's the the passer um, or the volume passer that, um, you know, that um, is in Minnesota. Um, what's his name? Uh, I always forget his name. Cousin. Um, quarterback. Cousins, thank you. So I think, I mean, I I think he's lost value in my book, um, being traded from Minnesota to to um, Buffalo. Now he's still going to be a very good receiver, but I have him now as what I consider as a solid number two. I don't I don't see him as a number one anymore. Um, they got Brown in uh, Buffalo, cold weather. Um, I can see that team being up a lot and grinding games out, running the ball. So I just don't see him getting the volume he did in Minnesota. Yeah, you know, the other thing, too, to keep in mind is John Brown actually had a pretty good season last year. Now he stayed healthy. I don't know if we can predict good health again for John Brown based on his career in 2020. But, you know, opposite him and then Dawson, excuse me, Dawson Knox coming on. Devin Singletary looked like a threat out of the backfield. So certainly Buffalo has some good young players that they want to work in along with Diggs. I'm with you. Uh, I think his value takes a hit. And I, I don't think I'm going to be getting him in a whole lot of redraft leagues this year because I think he might be a little bit more name than game, at least in 2020. Uh, Scott Broadcorp is joining us tonight. He is the champion of the 1250 number 15 FFPC Dynasty League. A couple of emails here I want to get to uh, from listeners, Scott. One that came in today from Tony in Rockford, Illinois. He writes, hey, Scott, how likely is it that you'll use a late first or early second round pick on LaVisca Chenault in your rookie draft 
given his injury history. Nice work with the Dynasty team. That is Tony in Rockford, Illinois. LaVisca Chenault, a guy who – actually, there was a report today. I thought I had it in front of me that he had the core muscle surgery in February. And Dr. William Myers, who is um, at Vincera Core Physician, said Chenault would be 100% for full football activities – by this weekend's draft. So good news for Chenault there, but that doesn't necessarily make him any less likely to hurt himself again. And injuries played a big role in his career at Colorado and even after that. So your thoughts on Chenault uh, going at the end of the first round of rookie drafts. Is he a player you want to be in business with, or are you going to let somebody else take him? Um, I, I like Michael Pittman. I think we'll go ahead of him, and I think he'll be in the same area. Uh, the USC. Um, I think Chenault's talented. He's just the the, the injury bug is uh, got me a little nervous. Um, but that's the kind of player. Maybe because of that, he falls a little bit further, and then you get him in the mid second round. Um, which you know, I'm trying to be optimistic. But if that happens, you definitely jump on him. But like, I don't think he's a first round pick. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take him in the first round. Um, he's probably going to go early second. But if he falls any more now, I think he's definitely you target him because he is talented. It's just got to stay healthy. Um, but I think, for me, I like Pittman better, and he's going to go. I think he's going to go in that same area, maybe a little bit ahead of him. So, um, you know, that's where I'm I'm probably going to stay away from him unless he falls somewhere past the mid, you know, to the mid or later, latter part of the second round. Scott, you and I are of one mind on Michael Pittman. I like him, too. I think there's um, there's a chance that he could actually even sneak into the first round. Remember, all it takes is one team to like him. They could easily trade up from the early second to get into the first to take Pittman, a guy who is super successful at USC, obviously has the pedigree and the bloodlines excuse me, with his father playing in the NFL for a, a double-digit year career. I like Pittman, and I think he's a little undervalued because the depth of receiver is so great in this draft. And I think, and this is a case I've been making with Chenault for the last month or so, uh, when there is this many receivers, this many good receivers in this draft where they really haven't separated themselves, why take the chance on an injury risk like Chenault when there are guys like Pittman or KJ Hamler or Jalen Rager, you know, what, you know, going in the same spot, why take the chance on Chenault? And I think you hit the nail on the head. If all those guys are available, you're going to let Chenault slip until that next tier where he is clearly uh, above the rest of the guys talent wise. And then you just got to bet on that. Yep. You know, that, Dave, I you, think that's did, the strategy of a lot of, a lot of these players this year. So one more email. Yeah, one more email. Wes in New York. What's up, champ? Whose production is – oh, this is more of a um, uh, veteran question here. What's up, champ? Whose production is going to be most hurt by Emmanuel Sanders' addition to the Saints passing attack? That is Wes in New York. Yeah, we haven't talked about uh, Emmanuel Sanders a whole lot. Uh, he joins New Orleans. I think Traquan Smith is clearly out of the picture there uh, now. But you still have Jared Cook. You still have Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, obviously all catching passes in New Orleans. Who's going to be hurt most by Sanders' addition, in your opinion, Scott, to that uh, passing offense with Drew Brees at the helm? <laughs> um, I got Michael Thomas in my 1250 league, so um, I'm going to say um, no one's going to get hurt because Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the league, and Brees is just going <laughs> to keep throwing to him. I don't, I don't care who's number two. Um, they need a number two, so they're going to bring him in, so that gives them another weapon. But with the, that kind of volume offense and, and the, the chemistry between – Breeze and Thomas, um, <clears throat> I don't think anyone gets hurt. Um, if anything, it takes some pressure off of Thomas to, to free up him a little bit more. But this, it's such a high-volume, great offense for, uh, for, for me. It, it's been great to have Thomas, and I just think he just keeps rolling. I'm not worried about it. Sanders strikes me as the type of guy that a Super Bowl contender would bring aboard, not just because he has reliable hands, but he runs good routes. He's a pretty good pass blocker, excuse me, a good run blocker for a receiver, and he can take some pressure off Thomas. I, you know, I, I think I'm kind of with Scott on this one. Dave, it's not going to hurt Michael Thomas. I don't think it really necessarily hurts Cook or Kamara all that much either. It just kills Jaquan Smith. Yeah, that's for sure. Yep. Sanders is a good consummate pro. He's good for the team, actually. Good for them, you know, on a football sense. Right. Yep. Yeah, I like him. Uh, one final question before we let Scott uh, go get ready for the NFL draft, Dave. All right. We are looking for a player that you are going to be trying to avoid in Dynasty Rookie Drafts, and then your sleeper that you're going to be looking to target in rounds three or four. Um, so we, write, we always write these down and use these for our own stuff. That's right. <laughs> um, I think you already, you already 
you already brought the one name Chanel. I'm really, you know, because of the injury, um, he's he's tempting to take. He's one of those guys that you really want to take him, but with the injury bug, and I don't want to jump on him too early. So the only way I would take someone like him is if he really fell. Um, and that goes for anyone anyone that's in that that category. Um, you just don't want to reach for him. So um, that's how I usually if I'm if I'm going to draft someone earlier, I try to you know I try to look for people that are. Um, I guess I can count on the injury bug is, is something that always concerns me. Um, and then, you know, character players, people that, that have gotten in trouble. Um, I try not to overextend for them. I usually devalue them by, a, by, you know, maybe a round where other people have them. And again, if they fell to me in that round, I would take them. So, you know, low character players or injury bug players, I try to avoid. Um, person I'm actually, I don't know if this would be a reach or I'm hoping to fall, but I mean, he could go earlier because in this format, as you guys know, it's a point and a half for tight ends. Um, so they have a lot of value. I, you know, I'm looking, I really like the kid out of Notre Dame, the tight end there, uh, Cole Komet. Um, I'm actually hoping my bears get him. Um, but depending on where he lands, um, I'm kind of hoping he'll be there for me in the third round um, at that point and a half per reception. You know, it's good to have a strong tight end in this league and, and or, or two of them. And I think he's someone that has high potential. So, I'm uh, targeting him in that round. Um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I, I, I got to see Hamler play live um, against uh, by Wolverines. That guy is just unbelievable speed. Assuming he's healthy and he can uh, get off the ball, there's probably not a better long ball or burner in the, in the draft. So uh, KJ Hamler is another one that I'm, I've got on my radar too, if he falls to the third round. <laughs> Let me ask you this one uh, one final final question here for you, Scott, now that I know that you're a Michigan fan. One of the guys that has come up uh, a, a few times on this show as well as the road of his high-stakes slowdown for, for rookies, and I know uh, Doug Widener, who you know everybody's probably gotten a chance to listen to it, so I'm not spoiling it now. Doug Widener, who's won a lot of FFPC Dynasty Leagues, uh, said that one of the receivers that we should watch out for is Donovan Peoples-Jones. And I look at him not only from, from a receiving aspect, but the guy looked pretty dangerous, uh, returning kicks uh, for Michigan over the last few years. Uh, a, a guy who was one of the top, if not the top recruit at the wide receiver position when he came to Michigan. How good of a career do you think he will have in the NFL? How does his game translate to the pro, to the pro level? Yeah, I like it. I think Peoples-Jones is extremely talented. He's got some strength and size. He's a great athlete. Um, uh, yeah, I, I was always expecting him to do more at Michigan. Um, so he's got to step up his game, but he has the, the – I think he has the upside to be a, a really good number two, maybe maybe a number one someday. But um, if you can get him in the third round, I think it's a good pick. With the NFL's first ever virtual draft set to take place uh, tomorrow night, I can only hope that it goes as smoothly and as well as the appearance of Scott Broadcorb on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight. Thank you so much, Scott, for hopping aboard. Really good uh, knowledge from you tonight. I know I learned some stuff, and I have to adjust my rookie ranks, uh, as it were, after our conversation. Best of luck. Uh, to you and all your, not only just your dynasty leagues, but your redraft leagues, football guys leagues as well. And uh, continued success, my man. We'll talk again soon. Thanks so much for hopping aboard. Yeah, thanks for having me on the call. And uh, good luck in everyone's drafts coming up. And uh, take care of yourselves. Thank you. Stay healthy, my friend. That is Scott Broadcorb, the 1250 number 15 dynasty champ in the FFPC last year. Also runs the 500 number 33 team. Uh, Interesting stuff. Uh, from from his from his aspects uh, point of view tonight uh, on a lot of receivers, I just you know I was talking to Leo Kuyper Jr. my cohort on the my afternoon show, and I just keep saying after the top three receivers, and you could probably even include those guys, it is such a glut of of talent where not a lot of those guys maybe outside of Ceedee Lamb that's that's the one exception I'll make. They're so talented, Dave. The, from the guys that are going in the mid first round to the guys that will be going at the end of the second. I think that having these late first, early second round picks and rookie drafts are going to be pretty valuable this year. Yeah, I totally agree with you, actually. Um, and, and one of the mock drafts I saw today, I forgot who it was from because I don't really care, uh, but he had seven, <laughs> uh, seven receivers go in the first yeah. round. 
So that was pretty nuts, actually. And one running back. So that's, you know, you almost never get quite that many. Usually it's like two and two or two right. and one or something like that. I want to say it's either FanDuel or Caesars. You know, they set the how many quarterbacks are we taking? What's the over-under for this pick or whatever? Right. And then they set the over-under on receivers being taken in the first round at five and a half. And I think the over was paying less than the under at this point. No, so it's, it's, it's minus money, probably, in the yeah, over. exactly. Hitting the over. And and obviously, there, you have the big four. Excuse me, with Lamb, Judy, uh, Ruggs, and Jefferson. And then after that, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could have Mims, you could have Higgins. Um, we talked about Pittman, Hamler, Rager, I mean, and it's just it goes on and on. And that's not even talking about the running backs either, which we, we should probably get to the emails. Um, one other quick thing before we get to the emails tonight, because I know we we have some dynasty questions in there. I just want to hit this because. You know, with the Gronk news, there was another player that's trying to make a comeback. I don't know if you saw this. Um, Justina Anderson, I think I had, I had the report. Yeah. Percy Harvin, apparently, ready to return to the NFL, Dave. Uh, he is at 185 pounds right now, has not played since November of 2016. I think he turns 32 this upcoming season. Had to retire because of the migraines and, and other injuries. But Alden Smith came back pretty good. We'll see what Rob Gronkowski does. Um, let, let's analyze this in a two-step process. Number one, Harvin, does, it, does he register anywhere for you on, at, on rookie drafts right now? At this moment in time, no. No. Okay. Maybe, you know, in the, I, there's one league where I have a, a seven-round rookie draft, so seventh round maybe. All right. So Harvin um, in FFPC best balls, would you be taking a chance in him no. on the 23rd? He's not on a team or anything, no. No, he's not. Not even on a team, no. Okay. Rob Gronkowski. Rookie drafts. What would you be doing if he's a free agent in your rookie slash free agent draft? Which actually is a good question. There's a lot. There's going to be a lot of leagues where he's just out there. Um, right. Is he a first round pick? Not for me. If I'm in, if I even if I'm in win now mode, I would not take Gronk in the first. I mean, so if he's going in like let's say let's assume the late fifth is kind of where he's going to end up as far as redraft mode, right? Yep. Um, I would say mid to late second because you're you're drafting him as a those are FFPC drafts. You're drafting them as kind of a the top, like the 10th or 11th best tight end probably in that neighborhood for mm-hmm. this year. Yep. You're going to get him for, let's assume, one year and maybe maybe one more or two more. I mean, he could he actually could end up having a late, late career resurgence uh, because, you know, guys like Tony Gonzalez, Hall of Fame caliber players can play longer. So Grant could play like four more years. Maybe he just hated Belichick. Maybe. Although I will not say, not likely, but it's possible. In in 2018. Oh, by the way, did you see the tweet that Brady put out? No. <laughs> he had a conch, conch shell, and uh, he blew it, you know, and and it was like calling Gronk, and then all of a sudden Gronk comes running through the forest into Brady's backyard and says, "I'm a little late, but Gronk reporting for duty." <laughs> it was cool. All right. So anyway, um, Gronk didn't look like he had anything left to me at the end of 2018. No, he, no, he didn't. He looked battered. He looked like he had given his body to, to the game of football, and now he's like 15 pounds lower than what he was playing at. I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing. Can't be. When you're 30, what is he? 30. He'll be 32 in May. That's you know you're getting to an age where you can put on 15 pounds pretty you know quickly enough. I mean yeah. he'll be he'll but be it's fine. a good weight. He'll be fine. Yeah, okay. he can put on 15 right. pounds of muscle pretty easy. That that comes back too. You know, like if you've had muscle and he drops it, he he can bring that back pretty quickly. Now the other thing to keep in mind, Dave. Rob Gronkowski is the WWE 24-7 title belt holder, and this is something that has come up on the interwebs and Twitter. I don't know if you're familiar with the 24-7 championship. Yeah, I know enough about it, unfortunately. He has to defend that anywhere at any time, which means he could be celebrating a touchdown in the end zone of Raymond James Stadium or wherever the Buccaneers are playing, and, you know, Coco Beware can come out and throw him down and pin him in the end zone and lose the title belt. Now he's got to wait what's more important to him. Yeah, Winning football games at the title belt. Great analysis. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Let's move on to emails tonight uh, for Brad in Stanford, Connecticut, who is leading things up. Why? Oh, this is good because we just talked about this. Why isn't Michael Pittman getting any first-round love, guys? As far as rookie drafts go, do you think he'd make a good choice at the back end of the first? That is Brad in Stanford, Connecticut. Thank you for the email. Brad, Michael Pittman, Dave, I believe, I know he caught over 100 balls for USC last year. I think he was over 1,300 yards and um, like 10 or 11 touchdowns too. There was a good article on ESPN about Pittman because, you know, he's in California and he can't, he says it's been like months since he's caught a football from a live human. 
you know, obviously he's working with the jugs machine, but there's only so much he can do out there with, you know, the, the shelter at home and every or the safer at home thing. And um, Pittman is a guy, he's got the size, he's got the strength, um, he's pretty fast, he put up good numbers at USC, and, um, you know, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is, is something I mentioned when we were talking with Scott, is his dad played in the NFL as a pretty good pass catcher for like 11 years. Uh, I think there's a lot to like about Michael Pittman, and if he's out there at the end of your rookie draft, regardless of where he ends up, at, at the end of your first round of your rookie draft, I think you seriously got to consider him and, and scoop him up. Yeah, I really like his size. He's 6'4", 223, and he had an, a sub-seven second three-cone drill, which is really pretty solid for someone that, that size. Uh, there's even you know, some talk that he could play a, be a big slot type guy, so he could do that possibly. Uh, I wonder, does he have big arms like the, the other Michael Pittman? Remember, he had, he had the huge pythons. He did, and I think Pittman is pretty muscular. Too. The, sure, the, yeah. the junior Pittman is pretty muscular as well. <laughs> you guys are doing curls all the time. Yeah. I always laughed at Pittman because we, he was like, had the biggest arms. He did, and one of the things that was in that article, um, when Pittman was like a sophomore or junior in high school, his dad, because he was always training, his, his Michael Pittman's brother, I can't remember his name, it's like uh, Micah, Micah Pittman, is a receiver, sophomore receiver for Oregon right now. And they trained together with their father. And Mike, Michael Pittman Sr. told Michael Pittman Jr. when he was like a sophomore, he's like, look, you got to give up this running back dream. You're not going to be able to be able, because you want to play running back like his dad. He's, he's like, too tall. you're going to be, you're too tall. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to play receiver. And I guess it's better anyway. And, and, and it broke his heart. He's like, I want to play running back. But then he trained for receiver mm-hmm. then on and then put up some pretty good numbers at USC. Oh, that's great. I, I, he has a good career. I like him quite a bit. I think he is um, – I like him better than Chenault. Uh, I think that's a good comparison that Scott brought up. I like him better than Hamler. Um, you know, these undersized receivers, sometimes the eye test is good enough for me. And, and who's going to be more who's successful? The well, K.J. Hamler, for instance, oh, okay. Jalen Rager, guys who are going to be going – I don't even think either of those guys are six foot tall. They're like 5'11", 200. And yeah. Hamler's super fast, obviously. Rager's fast, too. But sometimes, How like fast is super fast, like four three something. Uh, Hamler was in like the four, like a four three eight, four three okay. nine, something like that. I mean, that's um, for when you're the when Rager you're, is not that fast. When you're five eleven, two hundred, or six foot one ninety five, that's like just an average size. I mean, that's you know, uh, what's his name, Marquise Lee in this twenty fourteen right. draft. He just got drafted not long ago. Or he's going to be drafted. He, oh, we're still in the first round. So the second he goes in the second, he's just an average sized guy, and that's just kind of a dime a dozen thing. Getting those. Big, strong guys, that's, that's, that's tough. You don't get a lot of players like that. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, and, and I think when you, have, when you have a guy who is that big and that fast and put up those numbers at SC, I'm like, what's not to like at this point? I mean, it's difficult for we're picking at nits to try to find flaws in his game. So I like Pittman. I'll give my, my co-host from my afternoon show on local radio, uh, Leo Kiefer Jr. has been talking about Michael Pittman since November, and he thinks that'd be a good fit for the Packers, too. I'd be on board with that. Let's continue the receiver uh, questionnaire here. Jamie in Garfield Heights, Ohio. Hey, Odell and Jarvis, how likely is it that Justin Jefferson will be the best receiver from this class? Enjoy the draft. That is Jamie in Garfield Heights, Ohio. So Jefferson is the consensus number four receiver behind, in no particular order, Judy, Lamb, and Ruggs. I don't think it's likely, but I think it is possible. Jefferson has decent size, decent speed, huge college production, played outside, played inside, did both of them pretty well. And um, when when you look at the raw, like what he's going to put up fantasy-wise, he may never be the the guy, Dave, that has a 115 catch for 1,500 yard and 13 touchdown season. But I think he could be like a – consistent 90, 1,200, 10 touchdown guy for four or five years of his career. I really like Justin Jefferson. So was his, was his production inflated by the quarterback or vice versa? Well, this is the LSU question that we're having to ask for every Tiger this year, be it Burrow, Edwards Hilaire, yeah, Jefferson. I, don't want to, I know the question. Thaddeus that's Mar- why I asked the question. Well, What's no, the we, yeah, I don't know. That, that's the answer. I don't think there's any way to know until we get these guys on a pro football field where they're not this juggernaut of an offense. Um, for me, I, I think, well, in, in Jamar Chase, who would have been a first-round pick had he come out this year for LSU, I don't even think he was eligible, but he put up massive numbers for the Tigers again this year. Jefferson, I think, like... I'd like to know his market share numbers, but I don't have that in front of me because my website, I don't know what's going on with it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know what it is. Well, 
I, I can here. Let's let's do this here. I think I can spend all day looking at this. I'm, I'm not gonna bring it up. Uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna spend that much time bringing it up. But um, there is, if I remember, for the 15 and 0 LSU Tigers last year, there's a trio of receivers, and um, that that all caught well over a thousand yards last year. I have it now in front of me. You have. Jefferson had 1540, 111 catches for 1540 and 18 touchdowns. Right. That is some sick numbers. Having said that, I know team also. Jamar Chase, the other guy, had 84 catches for 1,780 yards and 20 touchdowns, which is flat out sick. That is 21.2 yards per catch. Jefferson obviously was more targeted, 111 for 1540. Um, Terrence Marshall was the other guy. 46 catches, 671 yards, and 13 touchdowns. So the 1540 is impressive, but Burrow threw for 5,671 yards. That's 27% market share based on yards. 18 touchdowns, but Burrow threw for 60. Yeah. So that's a 30% market share. That's all, Those aren't bad numbers. I mean, it's solid for sure. But it's not, you know, like Des Bryant, when he came out, he had like a 50% market share. And that, you know, that does matter uh, that he's dominating. Uh, but when you have other talented players, too, then the market share can – you know, can drop, right? You know, just like Odell Beckham and Landry, that does happen. So for you, based on all this, I think that you are in agreement with agreement with me that Jefferson is the number four, and the chances of him being the number one receiver in this class possible, probably not likely. Uh, he's an intriguing player to me. I have not, I honestly have not done enough research on him to really be where you're at. I, I, I have to watch him more, and I guess we'll, I'll see where he goes if he goes in the first round. That, you know, it helps. I mean, draft position is the most important predictor of everything. So uh, I can easily look at my rankings after the draft, and they might be kind of similar to the draft itself, but they're not going to be the same. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Scott in York, Nebraska. Hi, hey, high stakes, guys. I know this will all change on Thursday or Friday, but where does the drop-off happen for you guys for your running back tiers this season? That is Scott in York, Nebraska. All right, so I think I have been pretty clear on this. The quote-unquote big three that we talked about tonight, Taylor, Swift, Dobbins, in no particular order. Then I think there's two more guys, Edwards, Hilaire, and Akers. And then after that, Dave, I don't really know how much I want to be in business with running backs after that. Then you get into the Zach Mosses of the world, the um, uh, uh, Kishon Vaughns of the world, players like that. I just uh, There's just too many warts. So for me – I think that it's it's after five, and, and I'm not going to be going too crazy after that. Actually, Kern Reeve in the chat wants us to compare Zach Moss and A.J. Dillon, and because of this, I haven't really analyzed running backs after that because I don't have any interest in them. Um, A.J. Dillon, to me, reminds me a lot of um, – remember William Green from Boston College many years ago, Dave? Just a, like a Michael Turner, like a poor man's Michael Turner – a Lendale White, just a plotter. I, I, I know he put up some sick combine stats. I'm just not all that intrigued with what he's going to do at the NFL level. Um, I don't know how many passes he's going to catch. I don't know how athletic he's going to be when he's chasing. Being he, chased. Ran a, he ran like a really fast time, though, at, at yeah. 6'250 or whatever. He, his speed score was pretty good. Yeah, and he, yeah, huge. He's like the, the next Derrick Henry is what they're saying. Is that what they're Yeah, of? I don't not, see that. Well, why not? Eh, eh, Henry was unbelievable at Alabama. I did not see the jaw-dropping plays from A.J. Dillon. Oh, that's a good point. Um, now and if, that he, and if he, when Henry went, he was like a second-round pick. So he don't, I don't see Dillon going quite I don't, I, I don't. Yeah, Dillon's not like – he's like a fourth-round guy. I don't think he's going in the, in the second or third. Right. Uh, current plotter alerts. Ouch. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of either well, of he those four, I mean, the fourth-rounder, how many fourth-round starting running backs are there? There's a few, but not many. Yeah. Um, he might, you know what those guys are like if they get drafted by like like Carolina, or or the Giants, then they're clear handcuff guys, right? But then it's it, it it outside of that, it's like why am I getting on board? You know, that's just another argument too about not taking these fourth and fifth round type, or you guys know, get later in the draft because then even if they become starters, and I'm thinking of Aaron Jones here, they still have a little bit of that stench of being a fifth round draft pick on them as far as their dynasty value yeah. goes. Even Aaron Jones, he's had, you know, he had a really great season last year. He's emerged and he's a starting running back. But, you know, even on the, even on the Packers themselves, they may say, oh, well, you know, we're not going to extend him. We're not going to sign him to a long-term deal because he was only a fifth-round pick. He's just not that great. Mm-hmm. You just, you kind of keep that, I think you keep that with you for a number of years. You really do. 
I can't remember who said this. Uh, Matt Waldman and Sigmund Bloom, the, the football guys, they quote this, and I don't think it's their saying. Um, it's somebody else said that. Um, First-round guys have to prove they can't do it, and the fourth-round, fifth-round guys have to prove they have to, you know, they have to prove they can do it. Yeah, it makes sense. So, obviously, you know, the higher you pick, the longer leash you get. That's just the way it is uh, in the yeah, NFL. You see a lot more so in the offensive and defensive line or, like, you know, edge rushers. You'll see that they kind of suck the first two or three or four years, but they'll get picked up somewhere else because some other team will be like, yeah. oh, I remember we liked that guy. He, he could still be good. And sometimes they are. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, all right, final email tonight is from Adam in Denver. It's a down year for tight ends, it, but if Cole Komet gets taken in the first round, should he be a first-round rookie pick in FFPC dynasties? Thanks, guys. That is Adam in Denver. This is interesting. We talked about this with Scott, who obviously was a big Cole Komet fan, hoping that um, he goes to the Chicago Bears, uh, a, a team that is in dire need of some help at the tight end position. Um, Cole Komet, is interesting, Dave, because I have seen him mocked as late as like the third, sometimes even fourth round. Um, I've seen him mocked as not even the first tight end off the board. But if a team, and this is some of the scouts, did you read Bob McGinn's stuff this year at all or no? From uh, formerly a Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. No. He puts out, he has all these contexts with I'm all worried. these. Yeah. Okay. So I was reading the tight end one, and one of the scouts said in there, he was kind of like lukewarm on command, but he said, if a team wants him, they're going to have to trade up to the late first round to get him because he thinks that's where they're going to go. That's where Komet is going to go. And if he does go there, you just talked about it, draft position is most important. Komet goes in the first round. He's got to be a first-round FFPC rookie draft pick, right? Yeah, I would agree with that at that point. And, and maybe he doesn't go in the mid-first round, but certainly in the late first because any team that drafts him at that spot is going to give him every opportunity. So even if you don't like the guy, if you get a hole at tight end and you're sitting at 111, 112, and he's out there, it would make a lot of sense to the draft Cole Komet and put him on your team. You got to take a look at him for sure. I would say, um, do you have uh, anything that you are super excited about to see in the NFL drafts opening round tomorrow? No, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to let the draft kind of, as they say, come to me or whatever. I'm right. just going to sit back and watch it. Right. Um, it's kind of similar to how I watch the show Westworld. My, my wife watches it and she's always yeah. trying to figure out, Oh, who's in this body or who's in this. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to watch a show and, yeah. you know, whoever gets killed, gets killed. Whatever happens, happens. That's great. And that's something to do with the draft where I'm not going to sit and worry too much about it. I, I can't wait to see, like, the Zoom bombs. Like, somebody – you can't tell me Dave Gettleman, the GM for the Giants, it, like, everything's going to happen according to plan for that guy. Um, I, I saw some, some white GM is going to say the, the, the N-word or something yeah, like they, that. You know? no, <laughs> that. Well, they, they had – totally I don't know if we it. talked about this, but they had the, the, the – drug- I think it's the guy from the Cardinals that's going to do it. Oh, yeah, he's a drunk. Steve Kine. <laughs> yeah. He's, 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 yeah, I think he's had at least two DUIs. Um, <laughs> the, um, I don't know if we talked about this, but they had the dry run on Monday, and I guess for the first pick there was a two-and-a-half-minute delay for the Bengals to make yeah. their pick or whatever. That's why, you have the, that's why you do the dry run. But I guess plenty of GMs you know, who are all on the same Zoom call, nobody was muting themselves. Yeah. So you had 32 guys talking at once. That's wonderful. Um, the producers are just going to love this. Right, yeah. It's, it's going to be highly entertaining uh, to see what happens there. I, I think it's going to be fun. I can't wait for it. We're less than 24 hours away. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, let's wrap up the show tonight. I want to thank Scott Broadcorb, the FFPC, Dave, uh, and, of course, Robin Bryson, you for listening to our Little Dog and Pony show, the NFL Draft Preview show uh, tonight. We are live next Friday uh, with two hours. We're going to be on at 9, 8 central, not 10, 9 central. We'll be on an hour early to cover Genesis, Revelations, and Apocalypse, all three of those 150 classics. I counted today, Dave nearly two dozen former guests of this show will be in drafting action next Friday night. And we're going to bring uh, it to you. What, yeah. a, what a star studded lineup. It's good. It's, it's insane. Uh, Kern Reeve, who's actually in the chat tonight, will be drafting uh, then. That actually uh, is a star studded lineup. With, if Kern's there, then that's good. A two packer will be in. Bip lab is going to be drafting. True. Um, uh, all the 26ers, obviously who have dominated Genesis. <laughs> they will be in a- a- action. I think Kevin O'Connor uh, is going to be drafting in that. It's, it's, a, it's a who's who of FFPC players drafting in that 150, so we'll bring you that. Um, starting, I think we're going to go in, in order, Genesis, Revelations, and then Apocalypse. We might split it 40-40-40. I haven't really made up my mind on that. But we'll, what, we're covering, Apocalypse? 
Yeah, because there's a lot of there's a lot of really uh, good drafters in Is there. Is that the spillover league? That we'll call but, that the spillover. I, but it, it was a spillover like five years ago, but now or it's a thing. Year. It's a thing. It's a thing now. Okay. Like we, I think the we second year, I think going. Well, you know what's funny? I was looking at it today. We had an Armageddon league in 2014, which I think was the same thing. And then somehow you probably said to me, "Hey, Balky, what do we call that league? Armageddon?" I'm like, "No, it's Apocalypse." And then it got changed to Apocalypse I mean, after that. Uh, whatever. So it's not important. But we will cover all three of those drafts. So that is what's going say, on. Yeah, did you say 40, 40, 40? That adds up to 120. Yeah, 120. Oh, great. Uh, um, not percentage, minutes wise, because we're going to go oh, two hours. Yeah, percentage. sorry, I was not clear on that. <laughs> we'll go 40, 40, 40 percent. That'll be perfect. Um, I always give 120% for the show. That's, yeah, well, there you go. So uh, everybody's finding out the, the truth now tonight. All right, so check out the Football Guys Players Championship Early Bird. That is going on right now. We have, uh, you know, as long as you're signing up for that before June 30th, drafting by July 15th, you're going to get that free FFPC $35 credit. Uh, best balls, best ball slim leagues, dynasty startups, and the main event all going on. Get in on that main event Early Bird as well. Take advantage of that. Uh, stay at home, stay safe, and what a weekend to stay at home because you're going to have seven hours of awesome NFL drafting action. It's going to be a blast. Your NFL draft weekend officially this starts now. This has been now. another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I'm saying hi to all the duties from around the way. Yeah, cause I got all of them strong jack. My girls are like boomerangs. No matter how far I throw them, they come back. I'm coming straight out to NYC. I'm down with digging in the crates and I'm in VP. If rap was the game, I'll be in I was telling Aaron, our our coworker, about um, you know our I got five on it board, and I was saying you know some of these bets I make with you, even the day after I look at them, like what was I thinking? It was so ridiculous. I yeah, never you somehow are uh, doing well. No, but I, I was going to tell you this: this Mims one that we made last week, will Denzel Mims be a first round pick? Yeah. We I I went straight up on this. I wish I was on your side now because I don't think he's going to make it in the first round. Oh, really? Who's the, so Jefferson was the one where I got Jefferson is the one you got odds. He's going right. to go in the first round, like probably around like the twenty twenty one. A lot of the reports say he's not going to make it past the Eagles. Yeah, we'll see when he falls into the second round, Valky. Well, I brought this up um, with um, with one of our draft experts that we have on my other show, and I said, you know, with all this depth of receiver this year, do you think they all fall? You know that that you know because of the depth, do you think teams are like, well, we'll wait on that, we'll wait on yeah. that, we'll wait. what do you think? Is that likely to happen? Do you think that people are going to start waiting on receivers? Well, I think there's a chance that, let's say the other three guys go first, and then Jefferson's out there. But then there's, a let's say, two teams take wide receivers, so five total in the yeah. first round. But then Jefferson's just not their guy. Maybe they take some someone else, like Pittman goes, and then someone else right. goes. And Jefferson goes and, like, picks 34, 35, and boom, I'm hitting 6-1, to one, baby. Yeah, well, well, we'll see what happens. Or whatever the odds were. In any event, it's going to be awesome, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. We'll talk to you next Friday, one hour early, for two hours of drafting fun. Enjoy the draft, everybody.